This is The Podlight, a podcast by San Jose Spotlight dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Nick Preciado, editor of San Jose Spotlight. Earlier this year, Mayor Sam Licardo quietly launched Solutions San Jose, an advocacy group he claims is focused on common sense solutions. There's an air of mystery to the group. It's linked to an office on the Alameda that once served as the headquarters for Licardo's re-election campaign. It's also a 501c4 organization, which means it's not required to disclose who its donors are. Licardo also sends emails on behalf of the group using his title as mayor. Joining me now to talk more about this is senior reporter Eli Wolf. Hey, Eli. Hey, Nick. So first off, can you explain what Solutions San Jose is? What do we know about this group? So Solutions is a nonprofit. It's an advocacy organization, and it was founded in February by Licardo. The website describes it as having a mission to find common sense solutions to problems in San Jose. It's a little vague on the specifics. Right now, it seems to be principally concerned with getting people to sign petitions to express support for different policies. Uh, It's also connected to an Act Blue account so people can send in donations. We know a little bit more about the composition of the group now. They're led by an executive director named Cassandra Matter. We recently learned they have three members, Mayor Sam Licardo, Chris Roth, a former candidate for San Jose City Council, and Katie Scally, a former employee of Storefront Political Media, which is a media consulting firm that has worked a lot with Licardo, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, definitely. So can you just briefly explain how is uh, Licardo tied to this group? Sure. So it's a good question because the short answer is we don't really know much about his involvement right now. He's listed as the organization's secretary on a document filed with the California Secretary of State, but we don't really know what that role entails. Cassandra Matter, the executive director, told us he's a member of their board of directors. We also don't really know what he's doing in that role. What we do know is that he's lending his name to advocacy work that the organization is doing. So his name has been used on at least a couple of emails that ask people to sign a petition to reopen San Jose schools. The address on those emails also appears to be the same one as he used to collect donations on previous political campaigns. I see. Now, you broke the news this week about Solution San Jose working with Storefront Political Media, and they're a San Francisco-based PR firm. What's significant about that connection? Right. So there are a couple things here. Katie Scally, as I mentioned before, she's a former account executive for Storefront. She is also the CEO of Solution San Jose. When we dug into that a little bit more, we learned that Storefront, her former employer, is providing media consulting to Solutions. This is interesting for a couple reasons. Licardo has very close ties to Storefront. He uh, used it as a consultant in previous political campaigns, And the head of the organization, Eric Jay, is a a close advisor of his. Also, Scali, who left Storefront, uh, worked on Licardo's political campaigns in the past and uh, as a policy advisor. So a lot of close ties. The other thing that's interesting here is uh, that Licardo, or rather uh, Solutions, chose to work with Storefront given some of its recent history um, with the Silicon Valley organization. Back in October, uh, the SVO's uh, Political Action Committee posted an image on its website showing black people in the streets surrounded by tear gas with a caption that said, do you really want to sign on to this? Um, This was part of an attack ad on Jake Conkle, who was a progressive candidate who was running for a city council seat at the time. Um, Obviously, this was seen as 
very racist and there was a very serious backlash, which basically ended with the dissolution of the pack and its CEO resigning. Um, the way Storefront uh, kind of factors in here is that the SVO uh, sort of pinned the blame on the ad uh, on Storefront, um, saying that they were responsible for their campaign ads and images that the pack produced. So uh, it, it's pretty interesting that Licardo is involving this organization in his new venture, given that history. Right. Yeah, it's definitely interesting with their involvement. Now, just the last thing I want to touch on here, there's been some back and forth between San Jose Spotlight and the city over a record request that we made for emails and texts concerning this advocacy group. What's the background there? Right. So back in May, we filed a public records request with the city for emails from Licardo and his chief of staff, Jim Reed, and other officials uh, relating to Solution San Jose. We got a really interesting response from the city, which is they denied our requests on the grounds that all those communications are subject to attorney-client privilege. Um, that, that seemed kind of odd because Solutions is not a city entity, so we didn't fully understand how attorney-client privilege applied here, especially because the uh, city attorney initially said that her office did not provide legal advice to Licardo or any of the officials uh, uh, or any officials about Solutions. But they still claim the emails were exempt because our request was broad and touched on privileged info. So uh, we appealed the denial, and the city's Rules and Open Government Committee gave us kind of a mixed response. They uh, didn't vote to release the communications, but they did vote to do another search for emails and to provide some more details about the records that were withheld. Um, I think there are uh, three emails that are being held back right now. We also learned that some of the records did involve solutions seeking legal advice, which is not what we were told months ago. Um, so that's interesting in itself. Um, we, we feel it's really important for the city to release those records because Solutions is trying to influence city policies, and it has some pretty influential players throwing muscle behind it. Um, and I should also note we were not alone. We had support from members of the community during the city council meeting to discuss the fact that the city was stonewalling this request. Um, and I think a lot of people in San Jose would like to know more about how Licardo and uh, possibly other officials are involved in this organization and directing it and um, what their plans are for the future. Yeah, there's definitely more to dig in there. And I'm sure that I'll have you back on in a few episodes to uh, talk to you more about that as we look into this. Thanks for coming on, Eli. I appreciate you being here. Of course. Thank you. We now turn to one of America's most hotly debated topics, gun control. Following the May 26 mass shooting at a light rail yard in San Jose, Mayor Licardo renewed efforts to enact local gun control measures, some of which would be first in the nation laws. Joining me now to talk about this is reporter Lloyd Alabon. Hey, Lloyd. So, Lloyd, the big news out of this week's city council meeting is on gun control. What did council members decide on Tuesday? So on Tuesday, the council approved two really big sweeping measures on gun control. First is a mandate for all gun owners in the city to carry insurance. And the second one is to require all gun owners in the city to pay an annual fee to cover taxpayer-related costs towards gun violence. So anything from emergency costs to, to hospital costs and, and police response costs and paramedic response costs. Licardo has, has promised that these insurance costs that this measure will enact will not be too much of a burden for legal gun owners. And he's also proposed waivers for low-income gun owners and gun owners who might not be able to afford the insurance payments or the annual fees from the public fund. 
I see. And are these new measures already in effect? Not yet. Uh, the city is coming back uh, in the fall to uh, draft an ordinance and further their research. Uh, some things that they're looking at is how much insurance can potentially cost, how much will gun owners have to pay in this public fund, and they're expected to come back in the fall with that research and as well as the ordinance itself. Uh, as in the council, you know, particularly Dev Davis and, and Matt Mahan, they pushed exemptions for legal gun owners who can prove that they're experienced enough to safely handle a gun. So anyone from former cops and reserve officers, uh, and uh, most importantly, the city attorney's office uh, has to come up with an ordinance that is uh, legally defensible. Um, there are a lot of gun advocate groups who say and, and promise that they're going to challenge this ordinance once it comes into effect. Right. Now, what other steps has the city council taken recently when it comes to gun control? Didn't they approve a couple laws a few weeks ago? Uh, yeah, they, they did. They uh, Two weeks ago, they passed an ordinance uh, mandating that all gun shops in the city have to record all purchases. So uh, audio recording and video recording of all gun purchases in gun shops in the city so they can prevent what uh, is known in the gun community as a straw purchase. So straw purchase is basically anybody buying a gun who then passes it off to someone who isn't allowed to own a gun, um, someone like uh, a convicted felon, for example. Um, and there are other smaller provisions in the ordinance, such as mandating that each gun shop in the city has suicide prevention posters posted uh, in, inside and uh, every gun shop requiring an inventory check each year. I see. Thank you for explaining that. Now, what is the history with these gun control measures? Hasn't Mayor Licardo proposed some of this stuff before? Yes, he, he has. Uh, a lot of the talk uh, that from we've heard uh, has tied some of these measures to the, the VTA rail yard shooting in May, but uh, the measures passed on Tuesday have actually been planned out for almost two years. Uh, so it's dating back to the summer of 2019 when uh, Mayor Licardo first proposed mandating insurance and a public fund after the Gilroy Garlic Festival shooting in 2019. And uh, after that, he's gone on national news, gotten some national headlines. He's penned op-eds in the New York Times and Washington Post uh, about these proposals. And since uh, that announcement in 2019, he's been working with public policy groups like the Giffords Law Center to determine uh, how exactly this insurance proposal would work and how much uh, the public would pay into it. And um, yeah, how to implement it. Uh, so yeah, he's been doing this since 2019, but the pandemic happened and that kind of put a pause on all the plans and put that in the back burner. I see. Okay. Now, what do residents have to say about these proposed gun control measures? Yeah, well, uh, judging from uh, the public comment on Tuesday, there, there's been a pretty even split between people who support this and people who are totally against these measures. Uh, you know, supporters say that, um, of course, this isn't going to stop all gun violence or even stop criminals from obtaining guns, but they, they say it's part of a larger toolbox to stop gun violence and make sure 
there are less gun deaths and less public costs because of these gun deaths. And there are a few members from Mom, Moms of the Man Action, a gun control advocacy group that spoke on Tuesday that were in support of these measures. Uh, those who oppose these measures think that uh, these measures will infringe on their right to bear arms, that it will disproportionately affect lower income gun owners, and that it will make it more difficult for gun owners to get guns and purchase guns. And they'll be saying that you know lower income gun owners who live in high crime neighborhoods and not just those, but people in general, they're saying that these regulations might make it harder to defend themselves from criminals who are armed. I see. And is that also in line with what gun rights groups are saying? I know that Licardo, in a way, he made some comments at a press conference on Wednesday that he's actually anticipating some litigation on these measures. Yeah, a lot of gun rights groups have promised to legally challenge these regulations on, on day one. One of those groups... Gun Owners of California says, uh, and this is a quote from him, that the mayor will have his rear end handed to him in a basket by the courts. The gun rights groups I've spoken to in other stories say that these measures are Orwellian and they're unconstitutional, and they're promising basically on day one to challenge this in court, and, and they're expecting to win based on these, uh, what they say is unconstitutional measures. And uh, the city attorney's office uh, says that it'll come back with what it says is an airtight measure to make sure that doesn't happen. I see. So we might see them go head to head on this, these gun rights groups in the cities. It'll be interesting to watch. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Lloyd. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, the city's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent reporting. Thanks for listening. I'm editor Nick Preciado. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.